the world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. Democrats are still trying to milk whatever political gain they can get from January 6th. You heard that there are upcoming hearings that are going to be terribly, terribly partisan and probably very dishonest, as has been the national conversation about January 6th. You've heard it. This is the worst thing that has happened since the War of 1812 in Washington, D.C. It is total nonsense. No one was killed that day except Ashley Babbitt. We'll talk about her in a moment. But what really galls me, the number of people who were arrested yet are still in jail and have not been convicted of any crime. This has been going on and on for months now. Uh, Michelle Malkin, Newsmax contributor, calls this uh, the American gulag, and I agree. I want to start with Jacob Anthony Chansley. Remember him? The horns guy. He was all over the place. Look, I'm not saying he didn't do anything wrong, and ultimately he'll be punished, but he's already been punished, and it's ridiculous. All this time in federal custody, he didn't hurt anybody that day that we've seen. He didn't break anything. He was polite, yet he's still in federal custody. What's happening here without being convicted of a crime? And he is just one of dozens who are still in custody. We'd like to show you some of them. Again, they're in trouble, but this is ridiculous and it's un-American. Zachary Allum, still in jail. Noah S. Bacon, still in jail. Michael Leon Brock, still in jail. Nicholas James Brockhoff, still in jail. Alan William Byerly, still in jail. Samuel Camargo, still in jail. William Crestman, still in jail. Lonnie Kaufman, still in jail. Timothy Lewis Hale Cusinelli, still in jail. Charles Donahue, still in jail. Carl Dresch, still in jail. Michael Joseph Foy, still in jail. Matthew Green, still in jail. Kenneth Harrelson, still in jail. Dominic Pozzola, still in jail. Jeffrey William Sills, still in jail. Anthony Troy Smocks, still in jail. George Tanio, still in jail. Paul Von Bernowitz, still in jail. Jessica Watkins, still in jail. Carrie John Walden, still in jail. 
Ricky Christopher Wilden still in jail. Now listen, many of these people may in fact be guilty of a crime, and that's fine. But let's get on with it, okay? And whatever they're guilty of, they're not guilty of insurrection. Don't believe what the media says. Don't believe what Democrats, we've been through the charges. Let's go through them right now. This is what those individuals are charged with, okay? Parading, demonstrating or picketing in a Capitol building. Disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building. Entering and remaining in a restricted building. Civil disorder, disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds. Destruction or injury to buildings or property in special maritime and territorial jurisdiction. Wow. Entering or remaining in the gallery of either House or Congress. You never hear, you never hear about insurrection when you go through these documents. These documents, by the way, which they have purposely made, um, kind of hard to track. I think they want to make this confusing so people won't talk about them like I'm talking to you about them right now. But remember this, when you hear insurrection, they are lying because insurrection is actually, there's a law against insurrection. You can be charged with it and no one has been. So when they say this, they are either lying or deliberately ignoring it or maybe just ignorant. Clearly this was a yeah. deadly insurrection. Clearly they were attempting to overthrow our government. This is an insurrection. Last week's insurrection was shocking and tragic. We've seen an unprecedented insurrection in our capital and a brutal attack on our democracy on January the 6th. There is a presidential-inspired insurrection, plain and simple, an insurrection. The president of the United States incited insurrection against our country. The insurrection was an existential crisis, a test of whether our democracy could survive. All right, it's just hyperbole. It's just for dramatics. This was not an insurrection. And oh, by the way, <laughs> no one had any firearms. Isn't that interesting? I think it's significant. Meanwhile, if you are a left-wing protester slash rioter, you can riot, you can stab people, and you can be walking about just fine. You remember the summer of Black Lives Matter? We're still living with the after effects. Here in New York, a couple of lawyers, no kidding, firebombed a New York City police vehicle, allegedly, They've been charged. This was back in May of last year. Sometime in June, they were let out of jail. These two individuals let out of jail, uh, restricted to home confinement, but that's a lot better than jail. Why? Well, maybe because they're leftists. Maybe because uh, they're sympathetic to Antifa. And there are a lot of cases like this. Again, if you're on one side or look a certain way, it seems like you're okay. Let's go through some of the more noteworthy cases, shall we? You see 16-year-old Jordan Benjamin. Allegedly, he stabbed a woman in December, leaving her in the hospital for multiple days. He was charged with felony assault, but released without having to post bail. Uh, Takam Newsom was charged with attempted murder and related crimes for a February bar shooting, after which he went on the run to his mother's house in North Carolina. A known gang member, lengthy rap sheet, but a judge released him without bail as long as he returned for his court appearance. And then there's 23-year-old teacher Mikhail Bukhanavage arrested in April at a Black Lives Matter protest uh, for Dante Wright. He is accused of smashing windows in New York City, spray-painting cars and buildings with graffiti, kill cops, F the cops. He was caught allegedly red-handed.
charged with felony assault, actually. He resisted arrest. Previously arrested for shoving a cop during a July 2020 pro protest, he was released without bail and no terms of supervision required. Hmm? This is very, very typical. Meanwhile, Ashley Babbitt, when's the last time you heard anyone talk about her? It's very sad. We are not going to forget. Even as Joe Biden tries to exploit January 6th for his own cynical political purposes. I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. <laughs> the fact is, you can't look at that television and say nothing happened on the 6th. You can't listen to people who say this was a peaceful march. No, I'm serious. Think about it. Think of the things being said. Why does he have to do that? He's conning us. He thinks he's getting away with it as well. I don't think he's Satan. I just think he's a very bad president and probably a bad man, quite frankly. Uh, oh, on that town hall, this was interesting. Um, listen to the ovation at the very top, a little bit out of control, actually. campus of Mount St. Joseph University overlooking the Ohio River. This is a CNN town hall with the President of the United States, Joe Biden. I'm Don Lemon. President Biden is six months into his presidency and facing a critical moment for his agenda. Nearly half of the U.S. population is now fully vaccinated against COVID-19. But the pace of the vaccination is at its lowest point since January, and the highly infectious Delta variant is driving a new COVID surge in all 50 states. I could barely hear Don Lemon. What was, why was everybody going so crazy while he was trying to talk? Really clapping and yelling and whooping it up. Take a look at this. They were overcompensating. That room was empty. That room, half of those people are frustrated CNN staffers. This is all smoke and mirrors. This is in Cincinnati, Ohio, and they could not fill the room for the President of the United States. And he got more votes than anyone in human history. I have genuine questions about the fairness of the election, and it's okay to have questions about the fairness of the last election. We'll be right back with much more on January 6th, those individuals we discussed, and whether or not they should still be in jail. The former president of the United States. And, you know, I wouldn't say Fox has been exactly perfect. Fox has been a big difference of Fox between now and what it was four years ago, as you know. But we have others that come along and they're doing well. And uh, uh, Newsmax has been really good. And, you know, others are coming along. And people are seeing that they're watching these conservative networks. President Trump is right. That's why millions of Americans are tuning into Newsmax for the real news they can trust. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do I love the president, but President Trump, I don't know why he cooperates with these fake news reporters when it comes to their books, because 
they never cut him any slack whatsoever, and they often lie about him. You're going to see that right here. I was watching the Morning Joe, I mean the Morning Swamp show, uh, this morning on MSNBC. Take a look. Trump suggested Capitol Police somehow were responsible for what happened that day by allowing the crowds into the building. Let's listen to the tape. There was a loving crowd, too, by the way. There was a lot of love. I've heard that from everybody. Many, many people have told me that was a loving crowd. And, uh, you know, it was it was too bad. It was too bad that that got, uh, you know, that they did. There were just some. But, some... But my statement. But my Mr. Statement. Pre Mr. President, I apologize. What we're trying to understand is not not blame, not not castigate. No, we want to understand what did you want when you said go up there? What would you have dreamed? Well, I would have said that, that you will show not to go in. Although they were ushered in by the police. I mean, in all fairness, the Capitol Police were ushering people in. The Capitol Police were very friendly. You know, they were hugging the kids. You don't see that. But in there's plenty places. of tape on that, too. In you know, because the Capitol Police were, that's the way it is. Um, but I wanted, I mean, personally, what I wanted is what they wanted. Disgraceful, Phil, and insulting to the legacy of all those officers we've seen in video after video after video trying to hold the line, being assaulted. All right. So the president, a couple of uh, weeks ago, we believe, gave an interview to the gentleman on the right, a Washington Post reporter and his colleague, because they're writing a book. They interviewed 140 people. They go to him last as a check in the block. Everything the president just said is reasonable. Again, this is an interview he gave on the record to two book authors. Um, we're going to defend and actually go through everything he just said and tell you and show you how it's true. But listen to their reaction. That comment from the former president is a complete and wholesale distortion uh, of the truth. We all watched this unfold. There was not love in that crowd. Uh, there was hate. There was violence. Uh, there was a desire to find and then to hang the vice president, Mike Pence. Uh, that was an ugly, harrowing day uh, in Washington and, and for this country. And it was just chilling uh, for me and Carol to hear Trump several months later describe it in that way as a loving crowd. And then to say what he wanted as the president, you know, he swore an oath to protect this country, to hear him say what he wanted uh, was what they wanted. Well, what they wanted was to sack the Capitol, overturn democracy and hang the vice president. Oh, it was so chilling to hear what the president had to say. It was so chilling. Well, let's go through what the president had to say. You, saw, you heard him say that they were escorting people into the Capitol, the Capitol Police. They actually let that happen. There is plenty of tape. Here's one of the prime examples, this cop waving people in. And we saw that throughout January 6th. Here's another portion where you see police just standing there as folks came into the building as if everything was okay. They were okay with this. This does exist. These are not fake tapes. And then you will see that there were officers posing with these protesters for uh, selfies and that kind of thing. That was happening as well. The president is not wrong. And when he was speaking about love in the crowd, uh, that's true. I believe he was speaking about where he was uh, giving that speech at the Ellipse. Now, do you see any violence here? This was a well-received speech. He urged them to march peacefully and patriotically, and there was no violence, no disturbance here. He was there. I don't know if Phil Rucker was or whatever his name for the Washington Post. There may indeed have been love in that crowd. 
But the morning crew over there at MSNBC horrified. His views about the high court have clearly changed because of the election. Take a look. I needed better judges. Uh, the Supreme Court was afraid to take it. Don't forget, if, if you take all of the everything out, take all of the dead people that voted, and there were thousands of them, by the way. We have lists of, you know, obituaries, etc. If you take all of that, just look at one thing. The legislatures of the states did not approve all of the things that were done for those elections. And under the Constitution of the United States, they have to do that. And the Supreme Court... They didn't find fact. Don't forget, they didn't say, well, we disagree. They said, we're not going to hear the case. Uh, I'm very disappointed in the Supreme Court. So what's interesting about what's happening uh, this morning, they're playing the president's comments, and then they are deliberately misconstruing them, uh, misinterpreting them, and not reflecting what the president's actually saying. And he's not wrong here at all about elections and election law. And the elections are supposed to be governed by the state legislatures, the legislatures. That was very important in Pennsylvania and other states. Again, how they characterize it and how they report it is totally contrary to what he actually said. All right, uh, Philip Rucker, give us the context of these comments, many of which are not true uh, and also I just, again, uh, you're sitting there, you're looking at Donald Trump saying these things, speaking in this way. What are you thinking? I'm looking at someone who is dot, dot, dot. Finish the sentence for me. Someone who's living in his own head, uh, has no grasp on reality, won't accept what actually happened. Uh, and, you know, there may be something worse than that. I, I don't know. We're, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a psychologist. I can't diagnose him. But clearly, uh, he was not thinking clearly. Uh, and not thinking in, in rational truth. Um, you know, they're so invested in this narrative that the president's crazy, uh, that he lost, and there's absolutely no question about the fairness of the election. Um, they're driving that because if that stuff isn't true, what does it say about them? What does it say about their reporting for the past four and a half years? Their reputation is on the line here. So they're really invested in this, uh, I believe, false narrative. And Joe was absent today, but Mika, Mika runs the show when Joe's not there. People are refusing the vaccine in the name of Trump conspiracy theories. And this is a man who just is, is driven by hatred. <laughs> we know Trump better than that, don't we? But what drives her? What drives Mika Brzezinski? Been watching her for a long time. Uh, is it the truth? Is it journalism? I, uh, I don't know. Take, take a look. Take a guess. Um, she's now made a brand about um, knowing your value, knowing your worth, something like that. Uh, we're going to show you a little highlight reel or some sort of promotional thing she put out and then tell you a little bit about how she's making the money that she's so proud of. I took any job that I could get, and it was a job that 15 years ago I would probably have been like, why would I do this? It was reading cut-ins overnight, uh, late at night on MSNBC. I'm Mika Brzezinski. Here's what's happening. It was a huge step back, but it was worth it because it got me in the game again.
And you do have to know when your stock is down. Three, two, one. When Morning Joe started, All right. the problem I had, which I think a lot of women have this problem, is that they don't know when their stock is up. So the show starts, it explodes. Whoa. I know it's the greatest thing on television. I'm convincing Joe. Joe? No. It's the greatest thing on television. I'm helping Joe with his nerves. Okay. So she knows her value. Her value is obviously enhanced by the fact that she is uh, seeing Joe romantically uh, behind the scenes when they're both married to other people. Again, not judging. Things happen, you know, and it's just... Uh, but I think that's a pretty big part of the value in this, uh, in this situation, don't you? Just wondering, hey, by the way, they got married. Good for them. I hope they're happy. But it's still a terrible show and epitomizes so much about what's wrong in the swamp and what's wrong in America. I'll be right back. Well, January 6, 2021, this year was a bad day, bad day indeed. Uh, but you know what? No one talks about They're all trying to blame Trump and those uh, who were concerned about the election. And there are genuine questions about the fairness of the 2020 election. There are. But there haven't been any questions really for law enforcement, and what they did and what they didn't do. Remember this guy when he approached those cops, those Capitol Hill police, we think, and begged them, pleaded with them to get involved and they just stood there looking at him. It was one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Also, how many people entered the Capitol and the cops just stood to either side? Just kind of, it was no problem. So many clips show scenes just like this. What happened to law enforcement that day? Too few are asking those questions. And it looks like the uh, hearings they want to have um, won't get these questions answered. I'd like to bring in Jim Hansen. He is the president of the Security Studies Group, author of Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. He served in the U.S. Army Special Forces and now runs a multi-million dollar executive search company in the technology sector. Mr. Hansen, welcome. How are you? Good to be with you, Greg. So why aren't more people, more people in power, raising questions about law enforcement? I know they put the chief uh, the former chief in the hot seat for about 20 minutes six months ago, but no one really is talking about obvious failures. You know, and, and I guess it's our usual desire to not blame the people who do usually keep us safe. And I think in this case, most of the really heinous decisions were made by the leadership, not the rank and file. Now, when those guys are, are standing there and not reacting to people, that's because that's what they were told to do by their leadership. And I think one of the worst things I heard was that that chief of police for the Capitol Police said that this was a well-planned, well-organized, armed insurrection. Now, I cover insurrections, sedition, and domestic terrorism in my book. But, Greg, how many guns did the people in that crowd own collectively? And yet none of them had a gun. But he's trying to deflect blame by calling it an armed insurrection. It, it's a shameful thing to try and do. Yeah. And technically, look, our insurrection is against the law. It's actually on the law books. And you can be charged mm -hmm. with it. Nobody was charged with insurrection. And there were weird episodes like this where people are taking pictures. Some of the protesters taking pictures. The cops are kind of happy to be there. They're taking these pictures. And I find it very, very bizarre that all this was going down. Now, you think it was th that they were ordered to uh, take this stance. But, you know, here's another image I want to show you, uh, some footage of, of a cop 
seeming to encourage people to come through the barricades. Uh, just come this way. The Capitol is this way. There's another sequence. Yeah, here. This is kind of famous by now. What is this? Op why is this officer doing it? Now, you think they had orders to do so? I think it was a combination of two things. Number one, they lost command and control. You know, that's one thing that the military is very, and most police organizations are very capable of managing a chaotic situation. In this case, they failed miserably. They weren't prepared for it. They didn't listen to the intelligence briefings from their own Capitol Police Intelligence Unit. And then once things started getting lively, they had no idea where their people were. When, they, when the investigations happened to talk about this, the leadership said they didn't know how many officers they had deployed to each area. So I think the leadership failed at a command and control level, and then at a tactical level, each one of these small areas started making decisions on their own, and they saw these weren't violent people once it, 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 the doors had been opened, and so they just got out of the way. Well, Ashley Babbitt, of course, was shot and killed. She was unarmed. It's amazing. A professional police department, after an officer shoots somebody, and especially when they kill somebody, they have to take questions from the media. They hold the press conference. They try to get at least some information out there. Or maybe they stonewall. We've seen this tape a million times. There isn't a police department in the country that would say that this was a valid shooting. Um, yet they have not taken questions from the media. What they do, the Capitol Police, I don't know if you've noticed this, but they make select officers available for photo shoots. And often these are, and I'd like to put these pictures up if you don't mind, um, women of color. And these are, you know, glorifying, nice profiles. And I'm sure these are great officers. But they're hiding, I think. I think leadership, they're hiding behind some of these good cops with these, you know, take pictures of the heroes. But we've, they've got real questions to answer, and they're avoiding those questions. I, I am well-trained in what constitutes self-defense in most situations going all the way up through anybody's rules of engagement. I've taught them all around the world to police, to military, to hostage rescue units. I can't see any justification for the murder of Ashley Babbitt as she entered an area. She could have been pushed back out. There's a million ways it could have been handled. Instead, that cop walked up and shot her dead. And they don't want to talk about that. They will hide behind identity politics and try to deflect from that question. But at some point, somebody needs to put them on the hot spot and get that officer to answer some questions. You know, uh, we support cops, but when you have a total and complete breakdown like this, you don't hand out gold medals. You ask tough questions. And we're not done. And Jim Hansen, I'm glad that you are uh, speaking out as well. President of Security Studies Group. And let's put that book up, uh, if we could again. Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot by Jim Hansen. Thank you, sir, very much. Great talking with you, Greg. All right. To be continued, we'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Clearly, this was a deadly insurrection. Clearly, they were attempting to overthrow our government. This is an insurrection. Last week's insurrection was shocking and tragic. We've seen an unprecedented insurrection in our capital and a brutal attack on our democracy on January the 6th. There is a presidential-inspired insurrection. 
Plain and simple, an insurrection. The president of the United States incited insurrection against our country. The insurrection was an existential crisis, a test of whether our democracy could survive. It wasn't an insurrection. It's not an insurrection. It wasn't. They are lying slash exaggerating to score political points. It's interesting. We have a huge exaggeration going on and maybe a cover-up at the same time about the events surrounding January 6th. I'd like to bring in Tom Fitton, the president of Judicial Watch. He's been all over January 6th, and his group has filed uh, several lawsuits, actually, to get important records from and surrounding that event. Tom, welcome back to uh, Newsmax. How are you? Hey, good to be with you again. Thanks, Fred. Tom, um, overall, when, and I know you haven't, um, there hasn't been much cooperation from the authorities in giving material, making it available. When they act like this, do you think, in your experience, they are actively concealing something? Yeah, hiding records in an unusual way. I think people can fairly draw conclusions they don't want something coming out. Uh, for instance, you were talking about the shooting death of Ashley Babbitt. Uh, the U.S. Capitol Police has none of the transparency requirements that virtually every other major police force in the country has. And they've refused to provide any information uh, to anyone asking questions. So uh, we sued directly the D.C. Police Department, which would have done some investigations here. And we're getting stonewalled there. Uh, we've sued for the videos. We sued for emails of the Capitol Hill police. Uh, we've sued for information about what Nancy Pelosi was up to. I mean, the irony of this whole January 6th investigation is that the subject of the investigation are the decision makers on uh, related to security at the Capitol that day. It, riots occur, violence occurs in crowd situations, oftentimes, almost always, often, all, almost always because of political decision making by leaders who run police departments. And in this case, it's Nancy Pelosi who's ultimately responsible for the failures of security that day. You have you were the one who uncovered, I believe, the records that we all wanted regarding Officer Brian Sicknick. Now, let's be clear. Any police officer who joins the police department, I think he's a hero. But there was so much misinformation about his death. First, he was, uh, you know, pummeled to death by Trump supporters. Then he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher thrown by Trump supporters. And it turns out he died of natural causes. Do you think that that was a comedy of errors, those early reports, or an act of deception? Uh, probably a little bit of both. Uh, it is the government, after all, so you always have to presume incompetence in addition to malfeasance. Uh, in the case of withholding the information about the actual cause of his death, uh, I think it's fair to conclude uh, that uh, it was withheld for political reasons. Uh, certainly, they didn't want it coming out before the impeachment of Donald Trump. Remember that abusive impeachment? We're supposed to forget that. And uh, the fact is that it was only after we sued uh, did the office of a D.C. medical examiner finally release the information uh, about the true cause of his death. He wasn't bashed on the head. He didn't die because he was bashed in the head with a fire extinguisher. Uh, he died tragically from a stroke that occurred after the event. Uh, so uh, this is just uh, another example of uh, you know, obviously, I'm president of Judicial Watch, or I'm going to promote Judicial Watch. But isn't it outrageous that this day, which we're told is the worst day in American history, 
uh, it's only Judicial Watch is trying to get basic information about what happened that day, about security, about what police were doing, uh, about what actually, who was actually hurt and injured in the case of Officer Sicknick, if, if there were issues there. And we're still getting stonewall. Believe me, there are other requests we have pending, dozens of requests, uh, that the police department, the Capitol Police, refused to uh, disclose to us. And I'm concerned, Greg, that you know we're going to get more of the same from this uh, January 6th investigation being run by Pelosi and Adam Schiff. Remember the last investigation they ran, they were taking phone records of American citizens, specifically Giuliani, and then publishing them. Mm. Without a court-authorized subpoena, they said they could do it on their own. Are they going to start spying on Americans to distract from their own malfeasance here? You know, it seems like they've weaponized the day. If you raise questions about the day or by, oh, so help you, if you defend or say perhaps some of these folks don't belong in jail anymore, like even Jacob Chansley with the horns, um, they'll try to say that somehow you had something to do with the insurrection. If you have concerns about the election, fairness of the election in 2020, they're trying to take those off the table by making this the worst day in history and saying concerns about the election led to this. It is a false, weaponized narrative, and um, I think it's, strangely enough, it's working. There should be about, let's face it, 50 other groups demanding the information that you're seeking as well. Yeah, and there's no doubt the Justice Department treats uh, this group of people who uh, they say were Trump supporters and Republicans and conservatives differently when they commit misconduct and violate the law than similarly situated leftists and communists. Uh, and uh, in many ways, this isn't even about 2020 anymore, Greg. It's about 2022 and 2024 and keeping key players off the table and on their heels as they seek to retain and obtain power in the future. Uh, and obviously Donald Trump being target number one. By the way, we just saw some pictures of guys that we know, Big O at Nancy's desk, and uh, yeah, he's going to be punished, and he already has. He's already spent plenty of time in jail. Um, well, you know, yeah, go ahead. Look, I witnessed violence during the Kavanaugh hearings. I was there in the whole courtroom. I saw it was out of control that day. They were intimidating senators, resisting arrests, uh, and uh, they were treated very differently. And certainly, they were trying to blow up the Senate. Uh, and stop Kavanaugh from being uh, confirmed. Hey, I, we Very saw, different treatment. Totally. We saw th basically 300 riots for a year, a uh, billion dollars worth of damage, perhaps, and uh, nobody seen... That was all beautiful. It was all beautiful when they took over the Minneapolis police station and burned it down. Remember? Uh, total double standard. Uh, we're so glad you're on the case, though. Tom Fitton. Hey, by the way, you got a great book. Let's go ahead and put that up if we can. The name of the book, A Republic Under Assault, The Left's Ongoing Attack on American Freedom. Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch. Thank you, sir, very much to be continued. Thank you, Greg. All right, we'll be right back. So we started this show by showing you dozens of individuals who are still in federal custody as a result of January 6th. Now, some of these guys did bad things and will be punished and should be punished. But it seems like uh, the duration in custody without a trial, it's getting a little out of hand. And one case that has captured my attention and maybe yours is the case of the Horns guy. 
Let's go ahead and put him up. Jacob Anthony Chansley. Now, sure, he was running all around the Congress like a bit of a lunatic that day. And the horns and the makeup, uh, you know, it's easy to make fun of this guy. But you know what? I didn't see him hurt anybody. And I didn't see him break anything. I saw him be, when he wasn't howling, very polite with the police. And we've all seen the police let people in. In fact, that guy right there seems to be directing these folks to the Senate chamber. Why is Jacob Chansley still in federal custody? Let's meet his lawyer. Once again, Albert Watkins, welcome back to the show. And uh, uh, I would love it if I were wrong. Uh, was your client released in the last um, uh, few minutes uh, or is he still in jail? No, Greg, he's still, he's still confined. Um, it's a tough time for him, a really tough time. So let me ask you this, because I have been saying, and I've never seen a shred of evidence that he broke anything or that he hurt anybody. I actually saw a selfie that he took with, I believe, Nancy Pelosi's son-in-law, who seemed to be having fun as well. Um, did he break anything? Did he do anything that uh, more serious than what I've already seen? No, we have provided footage of every step taken by Jacob Chansley from the time he walked up to the Capitol, took selfies before he went in, after hundreds of others went before him, every step through the Capitol and outside the Capitol afterwards. He was not violent. He didn't steal. He did not destroy. He did not assault. He said a prayer. He helped the police. He recovered equipment for the police. He thwarted a theft. On top of that, the government knew, and we have found out and shown to the court that Mr. Chansley has mental health disabilities that are long standing. He is not a violent man. He's as gentle a human as you'll ever find. Sir, any role in organizing uh, the protest, in organizing what happened inside? No. In fact, the government, to its credit, has acknowledged now, only very recently, as in today, that Mr. Chansley had nothing to do with the planning of events at the Capitol. In fact, Mr. Chansley himself acknowledged for the government, I had no plans to go to the Capitol. Yeah. If I had been told by my president to stand on the head uh, on my head in front of the, with the Washington Monument and say a prayer, I would have done that. So why can't you get him out? I mean, this just seems kind of ridiculous. You've got relationships, I'm sure most lawyers do, with these federal prosecutors. I mean, yeah. let's be reasonable here. Sure. The Bail. prosecutors, the Department of Justice, have been operating with optics being their priority. And like it or not, Jacob Chansley, the shaman, is to January 6th what the swoosh is to Nike. And until we were able to finally bring the government up the learning curve and have them acknowledge that to the court, we were in a position where we were not going to get acquiescence on any front. We anticipate, given developments, given the, the, the report given to the court about the military diagnosis of Mr. Chansley yeah. in 2006 and a new psych evaluation that he should be out shortly. Well, he deserves to be out shortly. I've watched this case very closely. I think this is an injustice and uh, this shouldn't be happening in America. I wish you no, luck and I wish your client luck, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, Albert Watkins.
Thank you. Not saying he shouldn't be possibly punished, but uh, this is ridiculous. And now we're joined by Joseph McBride, another attorney. Famously, your client sat at Nancy Pelosi's outer office desk. I'm not actually sure. Let's take a look at Bigo's uh, feet up on the desk there for a moment, Mr. McBride, and uh, we'll get back to you in a second. There he is. Actually, my first question is, is that Nancy Pelosi's secretary's desk or is that actually uh, Nancy Pelosi's desk? Uh, it is not Nancy Pelosi's desk. You know, I had a feeling because I've been everyone says that in the media and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it. And no, that's that's a staffer's desk. And that makes a lot of sense. So your client, by the way, has been out of jail since April 27th. I believe he's awaiting trial. Uh, what's next? Uh, he sure is. He's home. And uh, right now we are in the discovery process. This, um, as you well know, is the biggest investigation in the history of the Department of Justice. As such, there is a massive amount of material that the DOJ needs to obtain and subsequently turn over and then we review. So we are in the discovery exchange and review process for the foreseeable future. Trial likely in this case won't be till next year. So your guy, Big O, who we've met on the show and um, is possibly one of the most notorious characters of January 6th. You secured his release somehow, and so many others are still in jail. Uh, how'd you pull that off? What should the other lawyers be doing uh, that they're not doing that you already did? So, Greg, it's, you know, it's a reasonable judge, an application of law to fact. You know, what I can say about the January 6ers who remain incarcerated or detained at this point is that their constitutional rights and human rights are being violated by the Department of Justice in the federal government at this very moment. The law is clear that no punishment of any kind is appropriate for a detainee. Despite that, numerous detainees are being held in solitary confinement for long periods of time. They're being denied medical care. They're taking beatings. They're being denied sleep. They're being psychologically, emotionally, and physically tortured on a regular basis. Wait, hold on a second. Who's, uh, who's beating them up? Other prisoners getting into fights? That happens in prison or staff? What are you actually alleging here? I am alleging that the guards are beating them up. The staff are beating these prisoners on a regular basis and have been doing so for a long time. This is no exaggeration. Was your None client whatsoever. was was your client Richard Barnett, nicknamed Big O, sitting at that desk uh, famously? W was he beaten up by staff? Absolutely was. He was beaten. He was dragged. He was hogtied. At one time, his pants dropped below his ankles, exposing his private parts while he was taking a beating in front of a female officer, and he had to beg and plead to be able to pull his pants up out of embarrassment. Greg, it's important to note that solitary confinement is widely accepted as torture by the ACLU, the United Nations, the Legal Aid Society, multiple members of Congress, including Elizabeth Warren. At this point, yeah. we're going to call on Amnesty International to investigate the human rights violations taking place in the D.C. Gulag right now. You know what? I've got my uh, issues with Amnesty International, but they're good for some things. I understand that they are very concerned, have been about Gitmo. And the more I hear, the more this sounds like Gitmo. And it shouldn't be happening Indeed. in America. It should not be happening in America. Joseph McBride, Richard Barnett's attorney, I want you to say hello to Big O. 
hey, he may have to go to jail. Uh, that's up for a jury and a judge and you guys, but uh, we all make mistakes, and maybe he made a big one. We'll see. I appreciate it. All right, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg, and God bless America. God bless. Tear down this wall. Not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. Ask what you can do for your country. So you heard that Van Jones, a CNN guy, got a Courage and Civility Award from Jeff Bezos this week. Totally a bizarre, surreal. This guy is a left-wing, semi-nasty pundit. Always giving Trump a hard time. Trump supporters accused Americans of uh, being racist because they voted for Trump. Just terrible stuff. You know who would have been better and actually was nominated? Somebody else. Yes. What do you think? The Civility Award? If they're going to give it to Van Jones, you know what? I could have been eligible as well. And I feel slighted. We'll see you. Actually, I'm off tomorrow. I'll see you next week. Have a good one, everybody.